Welcome to the Empty Arena Podcast series finale. That's that's right. You heard it. You heard it right, folks. This is the series finale of the Empty Arena Podcast. The last episode. I'm sitting alongside John and Nick. All the feels on the last episode of this podcast. We have not been around for uh, roughly a month. Uh, it's not because we don't want to be here. It's because we're thinking about the future of of the of the podcast of the empty arena of the empty arena itself. And although the empty arena podcast is ending, we are sticking around. You Yay! heard that right. Yes, you heard that right. Just because this show is ending doesn't mean that uh, our podcast adventure is is over. It's far from it. Myself, Nick, John, Chris, and Danny will be coming out with a new podcast come January. We don't have an exact time frame yet, but look for it. We promise it'll be 17,000 times as good as this. It'll be a lot of fun. We're going to take on different topics. We're still going to come back to wrestling. Uh, but we decided to branch out a little bit, and I, I think this kind of I think this is very similar to when Jimmy Fallon went from late night uh, to the Tonight Show, because it's still the same char- same characters, same cast, just different time slot. So I, I think maybe we should kind of combine this episode a little bit with what maybe like do a little bit of preview as to what we're doing with the, the new podcast. Um, so I'm gonna say. Based it off of what you're jumping around over there. Uh, you, you don't think it's more like when Conan O'Brien left late night to go to the Tonight Show with Conan O'Brien? You don't think that was a better run than Jimmy Fallon? Uh, well, you know, I, I got to say, I think this is uh, it's, I think this, this is more the, like the Jimmy Fallon route. I feel like if it was the <laughs> if it was the, if it was the Conan route, maybe one of us would spin off into their own, and then we'd have to. Got a cable TV uh, show. Replace him after three months. <laughs> to the um, sound of uh, Surrender by Cheap Trick playing in the background. Yeah. But Mommy's guess, not all right. But I guess Daddy uh, is a little weird. So we, I, we just want to thank everyone for listening to the show, making it as successful as it is. We started this over about a year ago. It was uh, John and I had a, it was a, a rainy Saturday night, and we put some ideas together and Nick and I had our own idea like a few years back prior made our own, uh, our own mixtape, our own podcast mixtape, which if you go back and try <laughs> to listen to it, it's horrible. Yeah. The, the, their mixtape is like John Cusack from say anything. Yeah. Oh, there was, you go. I was yeah. that weird guy standing on the corner near uh, union square, handing out mixtapes. <laughs> <laughs> and you were wearing a uh, trench coat and, uh, with the boom box. Precisely. And we should also thank, you know, a lot of our friends for supporting, uh, the, the the podcast, our buddies, your good friends of the of of the show, um, uh, King John John Broadway, King John John Broadway. He'll, uh, he he actually has his own successful uh, Instagram account as well as a YouTube channel, so you you might want to go check him out. Uh, it's the Popper's Pit, and he'll be he'll be on you know our new our new show for sure because he's into all the stuff that we're going to be talking about as well. So he doesn't know that yet. So we yeah. just we just formally uh, invited him. Uh, but our, you know, our buddy Joe V will still, you know, I'm sure send us some good fan questions. Although he may not be the only one. Yes. <laughs> our, our our boys Jason and Brandon, who you know hung out with us at WrestleMania, they'll be, I'm sure they'll provide some good insight for us. Uh, also, Andrew and Hulk Hogan are getting divorced uh, for this podcast, so yes, um, we we are not, uh, you know, going to go to Minnesota for this. We, uh, yeah, and, and Chris and, and Danny send their love, but, uh, you know, they just, they figure they'll be on the, you know, again, this is, they'll be well, on the next episode, which will be our new show. Well, you know what, though? They, they, they don't have contracts yet, so that, that goes to, you know, whatever. <laughs> Chris and Danny are the, are the bros that, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're divas. We have to deal with them from time to time. Uh, also, check out our uh, Instagram account and, uh, you know, you, or even our Facebook page. You'll see our, uh, New name and our new podcast title. Uh, we have not come up with one yet. You guys will know. Yes, you'll you know. guys will know for sure. But since this is the empty arena, we should uh, have a conversation about wrestling. And, uh, you know, it's the end of 2019. 
2019. So we should just talk about what's going, what's been going on over the last 10 years in uh, professional wrestling, primarily WWE. There's been a ton. We had a, we made a little list before, but there's so many lists out there, like the top 10 performers, the top 10 events, the top 10 returns. We right. decided to put it into one big list, and we're just going to chat about it. And uh, for, uh, for our special guest tonight, we have Joe Rogan. No, we don't. That's, that's a lie. Our um, boy Joe Rogan on the yeah. show. And Nick, as you could tell, is very somber tonight. He's very quiet. Uh, he, he's very... Very tired. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he was sobbing all week when we, when we all came up with this idea. That I'm tired we're from all the crying I've done. Going to <laughs> I know. It was Yeah. Last week, we uh, decided to sit down and had a, we had a deep conversation about what our next episode will be after this one. Emotional times. Emotional time. Emotional Speaking. times call for emotional people. So let's let's jump around. We have uh, we have this list we made, but I'm sure there's other things that will come up of some of the the biggest you know events over the last ten years. So let's let's go early in the early in the decade. Uh, the debut of Nexus, which ultimately was a a failure. St- uh, well, the no, Nexus. It was, it was well, kind of, I think it was kind of a failure. The Nexus stable was a failure. So for anyone who's uh, unfamiliar, Nexus was a group. It was when you know during that time when Florida Championship Wrestling was shifting over to NXT. So this was very early on NXT, and Wade Barrett led this group of new guys to you know to uh, wreak havoc on the WWE, and eventually this led to a big match at SummerSlam of that year, where Wade Barrett and his cronies took on John Cena and and the you know WWE vets. And they lost, which, uh, you know, was very controversial because the NXT was uh, the next at the time were like these up and coming superstars and they all got buried. And ultimately, they didn't really go uh, too far on the on the Nexus name. Most of the guys after the after that, like some, you know, some folks like Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan made names for themselves. But that's yeah. Well, I was gonna say, what about guys like Wade Barrett and Michael McGillicuddy? Oh yeah, he's he was wait. Well, Wade Barrett, you know, he was around for a few more years, but I think he left like a few years ago, like late, like maybe 2016, 2014 or something. Yeah, I think I think it was around twenty fourteen, maybe. But Alex McGillicuddy became Curtis Axel, and I don't even think now he's, he's on the any, yeah. he's on the B team now. Yeah, but I think it's important to bring up Nexus because. Because that eventually led to NXT. Essentially, yeah. Um, and another big thing that happened in the last 10 years yeah. was that a uh, the WWE Performance Center opened, uh, which is basically paving the way for these new guys to come on from the right. D's and from, you know. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy how, like, Nexus was Florida, Florida Championship Wrestling became NXT, which essentially was Nexus, and that became the Performance Center and then that became the true NXT that we know. Right, yeah. And we had, I mean, Nick, do you remember, do you remember like the first class of NXT guys that like that debuted? It was probably around like what 2013, 2014 within like those last few within those few years. Sadly, I remember them for the fact that most of them just fizzled out pretty quickly within a few months time after they first came in and you know, it's weird because they came in with uh, this ball of fire, and they were really energetic, ripping up the sets and beating everybody up. And we were saying to ourselves, "Wow, this is insane, quite refreshing. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is pretty cool." But then, uh, not soon after that, uh, good old mighty John Cena uh, devours them at SummerSlam, I believe it was. That was when they yeah. had the, uh, the big tag match. Mm-hmm. That started that whole controversy about not putting them over and whatnot. But um, you know, a handful did kind of make it out of that group. Ryback eventually came around and right. had his little run. And uh, Daniel Bryan, if you want to count him as part of Nexus, because he really kind of wasn't. He was there of, for like a day and then like he, yeah. he left. Yeah, well, wasn't he like the, like their, like, like their, uh, I can't think of the term. Oh my God. Uh, he, he was like their, like the, like the second string guy almost. Well, Kinda. he, didn't they do something where he, like he, he came to help Team WWE at the end. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That was their way of getting him over, which was a, a sign that like they were going to probably put his, their money on him versus anybody, and they did put their money on him. Well, also did uh, uh, Dean Ambrose and uh, Roman Reigns and 
Seth Rollins yeah. come out of uh, NXT also? They did. They were right. not with Nexus, but they were in what was eventually, I think, NXT was Florida For- Championship, Deep South? Florida well, yeah, it was Florida, Florida, Florida yeah, Championship Florida Wrestling, Champions. and yeah. that you know eventually became NXT. And then the NXT we know today is just it's completely complete departure of what it, what it used to be. Right. Mm-hmm. But the names in NXT for that first those first few years when NXT was NXT like Neville, Bo Dallas, it's wild that those guys now are are kind of in big the, names. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I mean, well, Neville's in AEW. Yeah, and Neville yeah. now yeah, is, and he's a yeah, yeah he's a big name in AEW. True. Yes. 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 Yeah. Um, but you know, just keeping in line with like NXT. That's become all you know. That's it's it's now an outlet for it was an outlet I think for developmental for like three years and then these last the last year and a half it's it hasn't been that like it hasn't been that that way it's you know essentially become a a, a third brand. Yep. Right. Uh, um, there was also don't forget there was uh, Darren Young, uh, Michael Tarver, Justin Gabriel, Heath Slater, David Otunga, Husky Harris, aka Bray Wyatt. Yep. We, we, we're talking about Nexus or we're talking about NXT? Well, now we'll go back to Nexus. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think, but but uh, I think we should go on away from Nexus. Let's talk about someone you brought up, uh, John, because I think they had, a, they had a big impact, you know, separate. For, we'll, we'll always come back to, to NXT. But I think, uh, you know, The Shield. The Shield debuting in 2012. Mm-hmm. You know, that think about that. That was towards the start of the decade. It was, you know, right in the early part of the decade. Because you think Shield, you think, oh, well, they've been only around for a few years. Like, not really. No, they've been around for, for seven years. Of 10 yeah. years. Yeah, they uh, they actually better. debuted at, I believe, TLC when we went. Uh, well, they they made their first well first match at TLC. The first match at TLC that we saw that was a triple threat, uh, tornado tag match yep. against Team Hell No and Ryback, which. I thought that match was awesome, but you know, that that made me uh, fall in love with the Shield with all three guys, and I wish all three of them like the best of luck at that point. Right. And, and just jumping off of that point, um, you know it's crazy. The Shield has been a ro- around for eight years, right? Eight nine. They've years, been relevant, whatever. yeah. I mean, they they've got- been relevant. the The second most popular stable that has been around for almost as long, the New Day. That's yes. Right. Yeah, I, I, you would never think that they would have been such a mainstay. I mean, the, in WWE. the and, and and the Shield, you know, they are all world champions. They all became world champions. You know, uh, Dean Ambrose left to go back to becoming John Moxley, and he is taking the lead over at AEW. Um, Seth Rollins is you know leading Raw. Roman is leading SmackDown. I think that's always the way it should have been. You know, it's unfortunate with three guys. One of them is is not going. Like you know, with with, with three with top us. people, one of them, you know, there's two. That's too many top guys. One of them had to leave. Right. Because right. you have the face of SmackDown. You have the face of Raw, which is how it should be. If there was a third brand that was on par with both of them, because I still don't think NXT is that. You know, the, still that developmental. I think that would have made sense for Ambrose to stay, but he wasn't getting. You know. Yeah. The issue with NXT is that it's. Um, it has the star. Well, I'm going to back up. I don't want to say star power, but I would say it has the um, the allure with more of the hardcore wrestling fans strong enough to be a third brand in its own right. But I think that it's the lack of star power in a way that kind of holds it back because you started to see when they got their TV deal for Wednesdays, they were kind of forced with their hands to put some main roster guys back into the mix, like Finn Balor, for instance. Right, and Kevin um, Owens appeared. They yeah. couldn't ride just with what they had going on down there, which, don't get me wrong, I've watched NXT before, and I, I think it's really awesome, but they didn't. They needed names to go mm-hmm. back. Yeah. That's but think about, like, these three guys on the Shield, not, you know, they've, they've basically led, since they started, they've been the... the, the the best part of waking up, which is Folgers sh- in your cup, which is you know Rollins <laughs> in your cup. Think about it, think about that. Like these three guys, I, I like since John Cena, I don't I don't remember a time where like 
individual person was as over as these three guys. No, they they were clearly like the groomed. Well, since John group. Cena, no. They were the groomed group of, of guys yeah. that... Yep. Obviously, it seems more uh, clear that mm-hmm. Roman is their guy. They wanted to have Roman be the guy, and they tried, and it, you know it didn't really work the out Ro- too well. So now they're going to maybe try again soon. That's a whole other story in of itself. But um, you're right. Uh, since Cena, there hadn't been anybody I think that really was dominant and took over the um, upper part yeah. of the card as much as they did. Mm-hmm. In particular, I would say Rollins and Reigns more so a little bit more than Ambrose. Ambrose had always kind of flourished in the mid card for sure. Had the occasional, he had that one WWE title run, but yeah, uh, yeah, they all three to some extent, all at some point were carrying the flag. Right. So, which, you know, and, and, uh, you know, the, the, when you say, you know, we, we think about the shield when they first debuted and you mentioned John Cena makes me think about somebody, somebody else, uh, Close to John Cena during the early part of the decade, CM Punk. Yes, CM Punk and his pipe bomb, which ultimately, you know, it it stirred the the pot a little bit it, with him. It not only you know you had CM Punk deliver that, you know, be put in a shitty feud, and people demanded that he was you know that he be champion, and he and was champion for a year. Yeah, and that and that actually happened eight years ago on an episode of Raw. Uh, Punk just finished uh, beating the shit out of John Cena, apparently. <laughs> uh, sat down on stage, Indian style, or Native American style, not to offend anyone. Crisscross uh, applesauce. And he, he did one of the best worked shoots in the history of wrestling. This was, uh, this was every, every smark's dream, to, and it was the first time, really. I mean, it was not the first time someone went off script, but it was definitely the first, at least that I can remember, Somebody calling out the company so bad. Yep. Um, All the way right down to the ice cream bars. Yes. <laughs> no, and this and this this paved the way. I mean, this it really showed it really showed you like what guys and workers and guys and girls could do if they're not if they're you know given kind of the keys to control their character however they want. And this was you know this is how ultimately would help Punk get over. Right. He had been someone who when he first came in which was 2006 i believe ecw brand and worked his way up eventually won the world title a few times but then after that he kind of fell back a little bit into the middle of the card kind of went into this obscure sort of um no man's land which sadly happens to a lot of these guys at some point so then he was someone that was on the commentary table maybe because he was hurt and you know he was around and floating around nobody really quite knew what he was doing where he was heading but his contract apparently was up and this promo was something that he apparently took upon himself to deliver and it looks like they just gave him bullet points to work with and he kind of really said you know what I'm going to fill it in myself and you don't really get to see that too often anymore like you said because everything is so controlled and under such a vice grip as far as content and all specifics and nobody really gets the chance to really be themselves which is why when you see these promos now half the time they're screwing up their lines or they're yeah coming off as not genuine because they're forced to remember things as opposed to just speaking from the hip, you know? I think this was 10 years ago, but John just, you know, he's pulling up some info on on uh, CM Punk. And do, you guys, do you guys remember the Straight Edge, Straight Edge Society? Uh, I was about to say the Straight oh, Edge yeah. Society. With, that Luke, was... with Luke Gallows and Serena. Yeah, Luke Gallows. Yeah. And that was what? That started in 2009 and 2010. Right. So that was like two years before his his pipe bomb. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led, I mean, that led to his his push um which you know he held the wwe championship for over a year that he did he was you know he worked that same reign he worked as a face then a heel aligned himself with paul Heyman, had feuds with the rock had feuds with john cena had feuds with all these guys del rio um del rio yeah 
And then ultimately, you know, he lost his championship and, you know, his that following WrestleMania, he feuded with another man named The Undertaker. Yep, and that was in March 2013. And do you guys, quick quiz, what is the significance of Punk and Taker's match at, uh, what was it, WrestleMania 28, right? Uh, 29, I think it was, actually. Oh, 29, yes, yeah. 29, sorry. That, we were there. That was his, that was Taker's last win of the streak. Yes, sir. And we were there. It was yeah. Taker's last win of the streak, and I think this leads us to another another topic we wanted to discuss over the last 10 years, was Taker's eventual loss of the streak. Loss of the streak the following year. By somebody was, who returned. Wrestle, a, lot, a lot of things are interconnecting in these yeah. over, over the last 10 years. So Lesnar returned earlier that year, uh, won like a dominant run, and uh, it was so dominant, in fact, that he ended the streak of The Undertaker. At 21 and 1, as Paul Heyman would say. Yeah. Did you guys happen to catch the Stone Cold podcast interview with The Undertaker? Which happened a few weeks ago. Well, tell no. us, tell us. Uh, no, but I heard it is actually a. It was actually like off the books, essentially. Like, like yeah. Taker was out of character and everything. Oh yeah, he was. He was speaking in a re- relatively high pitched tone of voice, which I didn't think was possible coming out of him. <laughs> but this is really who he was. It was really a really good. It was a really good interview. One of the things that they talked about, obviously, was the streak, and I think a lot of people were. Um, keying in on that because they were curious and they wanted to know what happened behind that. Well, you know, I told uh, Brock Lesnar uh, <laughs> you know, it was okay for him to break the streak. And, uh, hey, listen, Lesnar, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, you do what you got to do. Um, <laughs> but he got concussed during the match and he swears up and down. He says from that day, from like 3 o'clock in the afternoon onward, he did not remember anything about that day or that match. He was so out of it. All he remembered was a conversation he had with his wife, Michelle, a cool, and then... Not Sarah. Yeah, not Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Not the one that he had tattooed on his throat (laughs) at one point. But he says, I had a conversation with her in the middle of the afternoon, and then after that, I completely blanked out. I have no idea what happened. And... Yikes. He can't even, like... he, He goes back and he says he watches the match. He can't even find where he might have gotten hurt where he might have gotten concussed, but it happened. And um, the story about Vince McMahon coming with him to the hospital after he came backstage and collapsed, that really did happen. Uh, So Vince wasn't even... That was was a WrestleMania he crawled back up the ramp, right? Um, Well, he... Or was that that WrestleMania 30? Because I know one of the WrestleManias, he he crawled back up the ramp because he was not in good shape, apparently. I don't know if he crawled back up the ramp. I can't even remember. Like, like, I remember, like, not crawl, but he, like, was walking extremely was, slow, yeah, and then he, he collapsed at the top of the ramp. Yeah. Well, he went, when he got backstage, he collapsed. Yeah. And they took him to the hospital, and he remembers just waking up, and uh, his wife was there asking him all these questions, you know, just trying to test him, trying to test his memory, you know, what was his name, where he was. Really scary stuff. Uh, he was the overgiver. <laughs> so I think um, what was very interesting about that in particular was he said, you know, I'm going to write my own ending. That was like the big line. That was like the big takeaway from um, this whole part of the interview. He goes, you know, I you know, I guess he had this match. It was the end of the streak. Most people thought that would have been it. You know, he was going to quit. But he had the match next year with Wyatt, won that one, and then and he had Reigns, and he lost there. And so he, then he came back. He had that pointless thing with Cena. So he says that, you know, he keeps doing this as favors to Vince, uh, for, for Vince, actually. And um, I feel like he goes out every time and he has these subpar matches or he has these bad moments and he's like, damn, you know, that's not the way I want to go out. So he's, he's, it's like he's picking his spot. He's waiting to, like, say, you know, I had a damn good match and I'm going to end it there. Very interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, uh, the reason I said the overgiver, uh, we have a... Uh, a running bet that if the Undertaker if the Undertaker ever, ever goes into a match that has a storyline where he has amnesia, he won't remember who he is. His name is the Overgiver. He wears very flamboyant colors like purples and pinks. You're giving away the secret sauce, John. <laughs> and for the love of God, WWE Creative, use that because that'd be hilarious. 
Well, that, I mean, the end of the streak kind of, it was like the end of, uh, it, was like, it, was like, it was like the end of a certain point of like fandom. For yeah. People like, it's like, what do you have left? You know, yeah. you, I've only known Taker that had the streak and seeing him after the streak, it really, really, uh, to me at least ruined his, ruined his mystique. Yeah. Well, his, well you like, know what ruined his mystique also? He cut his hair. <laughs> yes. And he, he, he shaved his beard t- to look like, I don't know how to explain it. Like his beard looked weird, as they say in the uh, Justin Men commercial, and his eyebrows are perfectly waxed. <laughs> he belongs in uh, he belongs in Brooklyn in like yeah, uh, like, in like whack. yeah like like no 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 I would say more like a Greenpoint something like something Greenpoint. <laughs> it just was never the same for me. I don't know if you know I, yeah. I feel like it wasn't the same for a lot of people, and yeah. it really kind of broke you know popped that bubble. And I think Lesnar was the only person that could realistically take the streak away from Taker. And a lot of people were not happy about it. A lot of people were not happy about it, but let's because Lesnar was partner. Lesnar was a part timer, and let's let's talk about Lesnar yeah. because Lesnar came back. He returned after so long. He returned in, I believe, twenty twelve. Uh, uh, correct. And he had feuds with the likes of Triple H, Undertaker, Randy Orton, Samoa. Uh, Samo- Guys, our, our special guest Alexa. Our special guest Alexa. <laughs> uh, Alexa, please uh, be quiet. Um, she shut up. And, <laughs> you know, it's. It, I think his most recent was with Rollins. And it was really, I mean, it was interesting to see him come back, you know, as this, like, dominant heel figure. It was great. It was, It was. I thought it was really cool. It, it, it was first. cool for, for a while. And then, like, it got stale. It got and, very and stale. That's all I could say. Seeing him like destroy Cena was wild. Uh, you know, seeing him feud with guys like Orton, who he never really had a formal feud with, right. that was cool. Like, it was like one off gimmicky, you know, matches. I get it. Don't put him like in the title spot. And then they put him in the title spot. And it made like the championship legitimate for a little while. And then it went back to somebody on the main card. And you know someone who's not a part timer, it just at this point, uh, and I and I think what really soured for me, like you know this whole Taker storyline, um, you know, it's him coming back as a dominant heel constantly, is that when it got boring, it got really boring to the see, point where I was completely I was uninterested in you know watching it because it's just the same if, thing. If he's part time and he's Super, I, I just to me it just it was not interesting. What what I didn't what I never understood though, um, it, it was cool to see him do su- the su- the whole Suplex City thing for a, a little bit, but after a while it was the same thing every single match. He would just do you know forty suplexes and then a net five and then the match is over. Like all right, it was cool for a little bit, but and I think oh, why keep doing it? Like he he is a skilled wrestler. We've seen him when he was younger. He draws money. Yeah, he just, he just puts people in seats. But, but not everyone likes him, and that, that's why I don't understand what the creative on this. You know, but teach his own. Is it you know? Is it um, is it fair to say that like they need him in order to you know get buys up to get you know ratings popped? I mean, when he debuted on Friday Night SmackDown, like the, the latest iteration of SmackDown. He destroyed Kofi in, in less than ten seconds, and, and I and think Kofi that, lost the title. And that, to me, was probably when I like I just my heart broke. Like this is just not what I wanted to see, right? And it got to the point where it, w- it was you know you have like there's I feel like there's certain points of heat with with Lesnar, and it's like you can cheer for him, um, and you could you know, and then you can like hate him because he's such a bad. He's a bad guy, and then it gets to a point where you're like, I don't care that he's fighting Cain Velasquez. I just don't care anymore. Bringing him back, I feel like it did more harm than it did good. The reason why I think that's the case is because you kind of alluded to it earlier. When you look at Brock Lesnar and you put him in the ring with other people, you know realistically that Aside with everything from UFC, you know, how he eventually lost and whatnot, you could make the argument that he is a legit badass and he would really beat up basically anybody else in the company. 
that really would want to get into a fight with him. Okay, so then you have that. But the problem is now that, you know, he goes into UFC, he, he becomes champion, he establishes himself, and then he comes back to a choreographed, scripted environment where it's like, you know, it's so painfully obvious that, like, you're in an area where, you know, you're supposed to s- suspend your, your disbelief. And now it's like, okay, you're putting him with all these other guys, and you know... The reality of it is that if they they were really going at it, like he would destroy everybody. So now you basically painted yourself into a corner where like you have to basically you're forced to make this guy the champion because you know you're trying to like make it seem as convincing as possible. And and now it's like you know you have these rare instances where he puts over guys over like Roman or, or Rollins, you know. Cena obviously early on you know pinned him because it was Cena, but <laughs> I mean as far as like establishing yeah. new guys, you know you 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 um you're you're so limited now because it's become like well again Lesnar's this dominant monster in real life and it, I think UFC crossing MMA crossing into pro wrestling is just not it, it doesn't mix well I don't think it ever did and I don't think it ever will. Or contraire. I think it does. How so? Because if there is a UFC fighter like the debut of Ronda Rousey. I would say, yeah, Ronda Rousey. Everyone that watched UFC, MMA, whatever the hell you want to call it, watched it for a handful of people. They watched it for Ronda Rousey. They watched it for Daniel Cormier. They watched it for Cam Velasquez, I want to say, even. Mm-hmm. And when Rousey left UFC, there was a good shot of her coming to WWE. And when she did... She came. She took it by storm, and I, I think that should be another top ten moment. Of well, credit to her. Decade. I mean, yeah. you know, she she adapted very very well. I mean, people, you know, there's some people that you know were giving her hate for it. Um, you know, as far as like the ability to 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 settle in, and, and what was so impressive about her, as opposed to Lesnar, because Lesnar started out as a collegiate athlete, then went into WWE then went to football, then went to UFC, then went back. So he had the experience all throughout. You know, Ronda was strictly a mixed martial artist going into UFC that, that first that first run, and she she did amazing. I mean, I'm, I can't take anything away from her. I mean, she, she did really well. But again, it's the same point. It's like Ronda Rousey, you know, like relative to, you know, other women, you know, for the longest time, she was – the baddest woman on the planet. She was literally kicking everybody's asses. Right. And it's it, you put her in the ring with anybody, any other woman, she would eviscerate them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually. So, I don't but, know. But not the women of WWE, Nick, because yeah. they are in the midst of a WWE women's revolution. Women's revolution, one of the biggest things of the decade. For Damn absolutely right sure. Are. Yeah. Um, they even got their own dedicated pay-per-view. Yes. Once. Once that Once. happened. <laughs> Weren't oh. they going to try to do it again, I heard? I don't know. I, I hope they do. I, I enjoyed it. It, it. it was different. I don't see why not. Very different. So much, in fact, that um, it, it possibly led to the uh, the uprising of the man Becky Lynch, a.k.a. Yeah. Becky Two Belts, a.k.a. Becky Currently One Belt. Current women's champion going for tag championship. But two and a half belt. She, uh, yeah, she headlined WrestleMania 35, right? 35? Yep. WrestleMania 35. Along I, with Charlotte and Ronda Rousey. Mm-hmm. And although, like, towards the end, Ronda Rousey was getting, I think, a little stale, it was still, I think they needed her to help elevate the yeah. women's division. You know, I think, say what you will about some of her in-ring work, you know, that she sometimes had to be maybe carried a little bit, uh, but I think it was all you know to help the overall women's division. You know, a rising tide will raise all boats, and I think that was the goal with uh, Ronda Rousey, adding like some more, you know, adding a, a bigger spotlight to the women's division. Maybe ultimately helped, but now we have Becky Lynch, and she's been on an absolute tear, right? Um, you know, and, and when she. It, it was it was crazy how she went from a relevancy to being at the top of the card across both the men and women divisions. 
And right. It, it, it was almost in, in vain, a similar vein of, of punk, like CM Punk in the sense that he was a he, he was a heel or he turned heel and, and the reaction that he received was so positive and overwhelming that they had no choice but to turn him face. And what we saw was something very identical here with Becky Lynch because she uh, attacked Charlotte after their match at, at uh, SummerSlam. And um, she came out and went through this whole spiel about, you know, you know, her moment and all this stuff. But it fans didn't care. They're like, no, nah, we're good. Yeah. It organically worked in her favor in a way that it, Turned her into the, the face. female. He be, she became the female Stone Cold Steve Austin. Exactly. exactly. Stone Cold Becky Lynch. Yep. Exactly. And what we saw was really just a natural progression in that, in in some similar way to that. And I thought it was really awesome. The sad thing for me, well, not so much sad, but kind of cheesy, is the fact that they, I think started going a little overboard with it, and she, they started to try to make her too much. Like him, I think we had talked about this, uh, you know, uh, around the time that it was happening. Like yeah. they, they were trying to make every comparison they could to make her be like Stone Cold Steve Austin, but just let her be herself. And I think now she kind of is. I think they kind of went away from all of that cheesiness, trying to you know make her be like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Just let her be Becky Lynch, because I think that. Um, Proved there's proof that it, it worked well enough on its own just for that. And, yeah, um, she's still very over with the crowd, and um, hey, good for her. You know, she earned it. I think you know there's something to be said too about Charlotte Flair and her feuds with Sasha Banks towards the very beginning of the Women's Revolution. And yes, you know, Paige was also an instrumental part. Had you know, she played a big role in that as well. Um, AJ Lee. From, you know, yeah. she was kind of in the spotlight, you know, with, along with CM Punk, John Cena, Kane, that, you know, that that dumb angle, maybe, you know, maybe kind of silly, but still, like, she was in, like, this prominent spotlight. We had, you know, uh, Paige, as I mentioned, some of the returning veterans, you know, you had Trish Stratus, Lita, to help, you know, come put some new people over. So it's, you know, it's it's basically what the men are doing just on, you know, just on the women's end. Look at um, the elder stateswoman, Natalia. Now, what's interesting about Natalia is that she was from, she came around the time where it was still kind of like the Barbie doll era. Yeah, call yeah. It. the divas. Right, the yeah. divas era. And, and her and Beth Phoenix were legit. They were like, in They some stood ways, out so much and they were like, oh my God, a woman who's, performing at yeah (laughs) you know it's it's so they don't i feel like get anywhere near enough credit well i I think along with them i'm I'm gonna get flack for this i'm gonna see the bella twins they they were not personally i did not think they were the best wrestlers when they first came out no no, uh but but they did grow into it and they became very they got better over time good yeah they they got yeah they became successful and, and not had, because of their husbands or boyfriends. They had a prominent. They had a prominent role, I think. In, and and they again, they were you know kind of like uh, they're more of the the sizzle, not necessarily the steak. Right. Right. Uh, they they were very. That's, that's a very good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Um, Medium rare. <laughs> yeah. They they were they were, they served their purpose. But when they started feuding singles. That's when you kind of saw through, you know, you, you saw their weaknesses when they started feuding on their own, especially against each other. That was one of the worst feuds I think I ever seen uh, over the last like ten years. When Brie told Bella, <laughs> <laughs> I was, know what you're thinking. Yeah, what was it? She, I, I wish you were never born. I wish like, yeah, I, I died in the womb or yeah. something. Oh my god! I was like, yeah, this is yeah. not. That was not. Please good. do not. You know, do you? Know, please end this. <laughs> please end this feud. Um, now, you know, we have the, you know, uh, with the riot squad that came in, you know, there's some more, some more factions, women's, you know, tag division. So I, you know, it's, although the women's tag division has been questionable as of late, I think it's been, I think more often it's been, you know, uh, kind of ignored versus really praised, but right. 
we'll see where it goes. But again, like the, you know, I think the one one of the defining things of this past ten years was definitely women's revolution and women's wrestling in general. Don't want to talk about the Saudi events, but uh, you know, hopefully that that was also there'll be some. You know, the the, the one match with uh, Natty and right, yeah, you're yeah, absolutely Sa- right. uh, Sasha was no, who was the other Natty and Lacey, Lacey Evans? Lacey Evans, right? That was a uh, historical, mm-hmm. yeah. historical like. Um, Historical. I, I think another big uh, thing that happened was the return of The Rock. Yes, some big returns uh, for sure. The, right. the Rock, I mean, he came back with after, 2011 or 2012. Yeah, and that was after what? Seven 12 years? years? Seven years? Was it that only seven? Yeah, because 2004, WrestleMania 20 yeah, was true. his last appearance. So still seven years is still seven years. Yeah. And in that seven year time frame, he became a billionaire actor. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I feel like seven years then uh, meant more than seven years now. Well, no. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, Lesnar, he appeared in like, what, 2004 and returned 2012. Right. So that was, yeah, it was the same like level of like shock when I think either of those right. guys came back. Yep. Bret Hart was 13 years. He came around 2010, I think. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 2010. Uh, honorable mention, I want to have, uh, I want to say Ultimate Warrior going to the Hall of Fame. Yes. And then dying the next day. Warrior going to the Hall of Fame and passing yeah. away, like, yeah, literally the next day. That was so, that was such an eerie story. Yeah. Um, Wild. And and speaking of, you know, the Hall of Fame, we had China was finally inducted, although as a part of DX, DX she was still inducted. Right. You know, we had, you know, DX get inducted, the NWOs in, you know, get inducted, you know, it's... Things are finally com- coming full circle from when we watched, right? As you know, teenagers and like you know, youngsters. Precisely. Uh, one, one thing I, I think another thing to mention, uh, you know, as speaking of returns, we had some pretty prominent like departures. You had Edge who had to announce his retirement because of a neck injury. Although there were some rumors that he might be wrestling again. I don't know. I think it's all just speculation. Uh, I also want to mention John Morrison, who left, came back. John Morrison has left. Now he's coming back to WWE. Uh, Daniel Bryan, he had to leave because you know of uh, his you know his head injury, and he is now medically cleared and he's performing well. Performing well. We also uh, had Shawn Michaels retiring. Shawn Michaels officially retired. Uh, we don't want to speak of when he came back to wrestle in that weird tag match, but <laughs> he is, you know, he retired as well. And, uh, AJ Styles coming into WWE, Samoa yes. Joe, CM Punk returning technically CM Punk returning yeah, to Fox show, yeah. asterisk. <laughs> I think, I think AJ Styles, is, you know, he's, has been now here for like a few years, maybe four years. Yeah. Which is a good amount of time. And any, you know, any, yep wrestling uh, industry, my goodness, or any wrestling company, rather. Right. I think somebody like him benefited from having that limited schedule working down in uh, Impact, TNA, whatever you want to call it. And I think it worked to his benefit because he's, I think, 40, 41 years old now. Yeah. But he looks like he's in his early 30s. He looks like he could still go, like, at least another five years. That's how fortunate I think he's been with... uh, being lucky as far as, you know, staying healthy and yeah. um, the things that he could still do for his age. Are, are, that's why mm-hmm. he's phenomenal. That's why they call him the phenomenal one. He's one of the best wrestlers around. He gets praise from everybody. I mean, he gets praise from guys like Bret Hart, Steve Austin, up and down. Like, people just uh, rave about him, and for good reason. And, and uh, it's... Uh, very clear that you see it on a weekly basis how he took the ball and really ran with it. And he was for a while, you know, the, the main guy on SmackDown. He was the main guy on SmackDown. He's, the, you know, he's he's the main guy wherever he is. Right. It's, and it's interesting because, you know, people always had this thing with Vince McMahon that uh, during the WCW era, he, um, when the invasion thing ended and they bought out WCW, how he took a lot of those old WCW guys and he tried to make jokes out of them because he never wanted to give the push to anybody who was uh, not one of his creations. Yeah. But with AJ Styles coming from 
another company, even though TNA Impact really wasn't much competition, it still showed that, you know, he, he's not always as petty as I think people make him out to be. <laughs> I think he, yeah. he, he recognizes talent when it's there. And, you know, it was undeniable that you know, he couldn't just let AJ Styles like, go to waste. No. Well, what about the Hardy Boys? Hardy Boys. Yeah. Really they're one of the biggest yeah. pops. And they, they, they got the biggest pop at WrestleMania. Yes. When their music hit, everyone's went insane. I, that was why That was a That was uh, crazy WrestleMania 34 or 33? I believe it was 33. Okay. That was actually. I want to say it was 33. Yeah. Uh, we also had the return and departure of the Dudley Boys. They That's came right. in, you know, they came out, they came in, came out. Uh, Sting. Sting. Sting was a big Sting one. Sting in the WWE ring. Yep. Could you believe Sting came back? And nearly broke his neck. And nearly broke his neck. But I heard now he wants a, a potential match with Taker. I know a lot of people would love to see that. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, have you seen the, have you seen the ending of Up when, uh, when the two old men fight on the blimp? With the walkers and canes, and I'm like, that's literally what this match would be like. Um, I also, you know, we should probably also mention uh, Cody Rhodes leaving WWE to Gold go Dust. and start uh, All Elite Wrestling. All Elite Wrestling, yep. and uh, All Elite Wrestling picking up a, a couple of good wrestlers, such as Chris Jericho, who departed from WWE. Chris Jericho came in, came back, and he's always reinventing himself. And uh, Gold Dust, who, be, who is now Dustin Rhodes. Goldust. The natural. Um, John Moxley is back. You know, FKA Dean Ambrose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a, a wild, a ten wild years. ten years. Yeah. Of of wrestling, and I'm sure there's other things we you know we probably missed, but let us know what we missed because guess what, we're not leaving. But you're not going to get a shout out on the next episode of the Empty Arena. But yes, the empty arena <laughs> is going to be sunset into something different, something new. And we'll be back with episodes in January with the whole crew, with the whole squad. We'll have some cool guests. We'll have some cool topics. Uh, we're, we're graduating. I think we've kind of hit our ceiling. You know, we've hit the ceiling in the world of professional wrestling. We'll still talk about it for sure. We'll still do our our shows about the... Uh, for sure. I see what you did there. Big, uh, big four pay-per-views. Talk a little Survivor Series. Talk a little... Rumble. We'll t- the Rumble's coming up. We're going to be talking about that pretty soon. So that actually might be our first episode of the Rumble. Who knows, yeah. right? <laughs> Possible. Um, no, we just want to... But, you know, we'll all say a little something. But just want to thank everyone for listening and currently, you know, continuing to support us. Thank you for the memories. Uh... Thanks for the memories, Fallout Boy. <laughs> no, Franz Ferdinand. Who, oh who's no, Fallout Boy. I've, I've been to way too many Fallout Boy <laughs> concerts. Not know that song. Um, so we want to thank everyone that's supported us. I'm just going back on what Andrew said. Um, over this past uh, year and four months, um, yeah. Check out our social medias. We should. Time. We should really release. Uh, the the original test footage that me and Nick put together in my attic like th- four years ago. It's a, <laughs> it exists. It exists in the world. There's, a, there's also test footage of you and Danny doing a Superman movie. Yes, there is footage of me and Danny <laughs> doing a Superman movie. This is uh, pre-Brennan Ruth. Ralph? Ruth? Ruth? You know, it's funny, though. Danny had way more personality than Brandon Ruth. Not, Road. Not, not to knock Road. him down. He's doing a great job as, uh, as Roy Palmer in Christ's Son of an Earth, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, uh, follow us, still follow us on, uh, empty arena. The memes will still be there. The memes will still, that's the thing. The memes will not stop. Are they dank? Means dank wrestling memes are still going to be coming from that channel. So it's empty arena on Instagram. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, uh, email us. Yeah. Cause I'm checking my, I'm checking the email all the time and nobody ever emails us. So thank you. For not emailing us. I'll email you time. Thanks. <laughs> it's uh, at gmail.com. Podcast. We love your questions, love your comments, love your feedback. Um, and uh, on our social media profiles, uh, you will be seeing news about what's new and what's coming in the next few weeks. It's exciting stuff. It is exciting stuff. Uh, we'll still be here. You'll still hear our lovely, sexy voices, especially mine. 
I want to thank my uh, my lovely, lovely wife, Christina, for uh, allowing us to use our uh, studio and for being our director of operations, our caterer, uh, the sole uh, member of the Empty Arena Podcast Hall of Fame on the celebrity wing. Yeah, she is. Uh, she's our sixth. She's the sixth member of the of the team. She's our sixth man, our sixth she, woman. She, she's the manager of the four horsemen. She makes things happen. Or the five horsemen, I should say. But <laughs> on that note, happy holidays to everyone. Happy Festivus. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. And a happy New Year. You filthy animals. You filthy animals. <laughs> Good night. That's life, that's what all the people say, you're riding high in April, shot down in May, but I know I'm gonna change that tune, when I'm back on top, back on top in June, I said that's life. This has been an Empty Arena Studios production, courtesy of Dawson Studios. Some people get their kicks, stopping on a dream. But I don't let it, let it get me.